Welcome to The Connection, a podcast to connect you to the parish of Yates. My name's Howell. And I'm Justin. We are your hosts sharing with you the good news of the parish and to enable you to grow outside of the walls of the church building. So this week on The Connection, we're doing an interview and we're talking to a, a guy called Chris Grief. That's right, isn't it? That's right, hi There we are. And uh, we're talking to Chris because he is a Christian. He's over at uh, St. Michael's in Froomside. So he's part of the, the Froomside Benefice, which is the other half of our mission area. And uh, we're talking to Chris because he's a Christian as well as a physicist. So we're proving again that uh, Christians and scientists do exist. Because I'm one, Justin's one, Charlie's one, and, and Chris's one too. So Chris, can you tell us something about your upbringing and your contact with the faith community when you were growing up then? Yeah, okay. Uh, I was actually born in East London, but as a, an infant, my family moved to South West London uh, in, in Wimbledon. And... We happen to live literally just opposite the local church and uh, having two younger sisters at the time um, my mum wanted to find space to cook the Sunday lunch so we used to get sent over to the Sunday school across the road. Um, family wasn't particularly uh, involved in the church at all. We, we, we were all baptised but that was it. Um, I went to the Sunday school for a few years and then when I got old enough the vicar came across the road and said to my parents I think Chris should be in the choir so I got to join the church choir as a treble uh, of course uh, and sang in the choir for a number of years um, as a treble and I got confirmed at the church as an 11 year old I seem to remember uh, and that was sort of it at the time I rather drifted away from the church in my teenage years and uh, through into university really when I came back into contact with the church uh, my wife Jill has always had a strong connection with the church and when I met her that sort of strengthened that link and I think that it, that I think I would really regard as the start of my journey in faith. Mm. That, that sort of late teens, early twenties period. I'd obviously had an introduction to it as a boy, but you know, it was just one of those things I did rather than anything I had any strong mm. involvement with. Um, as a boy at school, I had an aptitude for arithmetic and mathematics. I actually liked it too, uh, which because is unusual, I suppose. Um, and that interest grew to include science, which is how I ended up eventually doing a degree in physics at Bristol University. Um, and like everything else in life, by accident, I stayed in the area because I got a job working for what was then the nationalised electricity industry in the UK, the Central Electricity Generating Board it was called, for those of 
of a certain age who might remember that era before <laughs> before the privatizations of the 1980s <laughs> um and i was lucky enough uh to get a uh, sponsorship to do a phd in the nuclear power industry uh, and when i finished that i was employed uh working for the cgb uh at the time thinking about new types of nuclear power system because this was the era of uh, nuclear power as the future it was going to cure all our ills all these problems we were having with fossil fuels acid rain that was all going to be consigned to history nuclear power was going to be so cheap we would hardly have to pay for it you know everything was going to be rosy against you know all the environmental concerns that were starting to emerge and being publicised in the late 60s, early 70s. All those sorts of issues were coming to the fore. And um, nuclear power was seen as a way out of this. And mm. that's, that, that was aligning with my growing interest in my concern with the environment. Cause, and that was also linking in with my growing faith as well. Mm. Uh, I was very much thinking of the two things as part of the same story. Okay, so let's, let's what did you do your uh, PhD on? It was a rather esoteric aspect of how you could learn something about the behaviour of a nuclear reactor by looking at measurements of the temperatures and the way they behaved the way they jiggled around um, because normally if you wanted to find out how a reactor would behave you needed to effectively stop it generating electricity mm. and do some measurements on it specially and I was exploring ways where you could find out how the, the reactor would behave whilst it was still generating electricity so we weren't the company wasn't using losing generation but was learning about how its reactors would behave the particular thing i was interested in if was how the reactor would behave if things started to go wrong oh i see right um, and that, that that was always at the background uh, you know what would happen if something started to go wrong because if you know what what would happen when things started to go wrong you knew what you had to do to put the brakes on so to speak ah and that that was what it was all about this is all about nuclear safety and nuclear like safety. safety and in fact oh, I, as i said i started life thinking about new reactor types mm. when things started to go a bit pear-shaped shall we say within the nuclear industry and there was no nuclear generation being talked about in the uk um, my my sort of career moved more in the direction of analysing the safety of existing nuclear stations and nuclear stations have a very long lifetime you know, many decades mm. and of course they need MOTs or the equivalent of MOTs yeah, if, uh, if it goes wrong it's, it's, it's not going to be like Blowing your car into a wall or anything. Is no, it? no, not, no. Uh, but you need, and you every so often we needed to reevaluate the system mm. against the kinds of things that could go wrong, and check that we were still confident that all mm. the safeguards were in place 
mm. would prevent things getting out of hand. So when we were chatting before, you were talking about the idea of um, how science has uh, helped you in your faith. Do you want to say something about that? You said about how you found ideas like mathematics being unusual or unpredictable, quite sort of yeah, inspiring. Yeah, because I always had this fascination with mathematics. Uh, I mean, at the at early child level, of course, it's, I was just good at doing sums. Mm. Um, but because I had that interest, I started to read popular books about mathematics and stuff like that. And I discovered all these interesting things about mathematics. Because when you think about numbers, it's just one, two, three, four, five, six. That's mm. boring, you know. Yeah. You know, it just goes on and on and on. But there's nothing interesting in that, surely. But when you get into it, you realise there are all these extraordinary patterns and to me they were just sort of wow you know why is that you know there's just this boring string of numbers but if you think about them in a particular way you know all these extraordinary patterns emerge and that that really got me thinking well how why is that why is there so much I suppose I would say how is there so much richness in what seems such a boring subject as a string of numbers but you know I've always been fascinated by prime numbers and you know, prime numbers the numbers which are only you can only divide it by one in itself you know a number yeah. like five or thirteen that's it um, you know and all sorts of mathematical ideas are, are out there about the behaviour of primes and how many there are and how frequent they are and all that stuff used to absolutely fascinate me. So you're not as bad as me when I, I had this thing where uh, I got, well, I still am a little bit obsessed with the Fibonacci uh, sequence, I, I love that and I passed it on to my son you know so you can do it with nature where uh, the Fibonacci sequence is uh, one, one, two, three, and it goes up so you do you add them together don't you yeah so each pair of numbers to get the next one to get the next one up like that so what what you can see in nature so you can you can pick up a flower and you can predict how many petals the flower will have uh because it'll be part of the fibonacci sequence and things like that so i used to annoy my family uh because my wife hates maths by plucking <laughs> flowers and saying look at this look how beautiful this is and she was like oh it's a very pretty flower and i'd be like never mind about that let count the number of petals yeah because I always found the maths that lie behind the structures that lie behind life as beautiful as what actually comes forth. Because the code that kind of underlies life itself, you know, the maths or the, the biology, in my sense, the genetics, has a beauty and structure of its own. And what we're seeing in the world around us is the product of that underlying code isn't it it is yes yeah. i just uh, remember uh, watching a program on the television by uh, introduced by professor brian cox recently uh and he was saying you know nature is beautiful but it's even more beautiful to un try to understand nature and he was giving all sorts of examples um and one that I guess everybody's familiar with is snowflake you know mm. this story that you know it's a it's a six-sided structure but every snowflake is unique and just the idea of how 
something like that can come into being uh, is just a, so almost mind-blowing that uh, how can this thing it retains this sixfold symmetry but everyone's different well well that's just amazing <laughs> well it's the, it's the same story as well with uh, biology is that uh, the fibonacci structure is what gives us our body plans so mm. my arm is in the the fibonacci structure my fingers are but so is all sorts of different types of life you know it's all in that structure because that structure is the structure which will be most efficient mm. so that the whole of life is engineered in a sense to bring about that structure and it, it's it's i've always found that fascinating because what is um kepler said kepler's the guy who uh found out that the planets have an elliptical orbit and, and he said that uh, mathematics and science is a form of worship because you're thinking god's thoughts after him yes and i i can totally agree with that because it is you know god created the universe and it isn't a chaotic universe there's there's a methodology there there's there's some rules underlying it all and we see it in these in these patterns and you've just talked about kepler you know that he was succeeded by newton who discovered the law of gravity um uh, supposedly when the apple fell on him or next to him in the orchard um, but it's such a simple law but in very many ways it expresses the behavior of the, all the bodies of the universe all the galaxies all the planets all the stars okay it's a bit more refined now with Einstein coming along but basically Newton's law of gravity which is a very very simple equation expresses all that you know the whole complicated pattern of behaviors can be written down as about hang on it's about i'd have to write it down it's f equals g times mm all over r squared that's it, it? or it's, whatever it is yes it? that's right yes yeah, the inverse square, square law all. that's it uh and that, that's it it's incredibly powerful but i remember when i was doing a level math a level physics we had this guy called mel smell because he used to look like mel smell smith i can't right. remember his real name but he was all smell because he was this kind of archetypal scruffy smelly <laughs> physics <laughs> See, yes i know the salt yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> he, used to, he used to sneeze and all his snot would raise he was a lovely guy um but, but he was teaching us and i always remember looking at the the equation for uh, gravity the equation for uh, electrostatics right and the equation for uh, magnetic fields and they all look almost identical yes and i sat there going well they're all pretty much the same aren't they sir and he went well done snock well done and i went but so you can see all the time you can see why for centuries and centuries it's people's faith that has uh, enabled them and inspired them in order to search more into science so science is there largely because people were inspired by this idea of a divine lawgiver mm. and found such beauty and, and worship really a lot of them talk about uh, worshiping god through science now the other thing that we talk about um, with this is the divine lawgiver i.e god in a sense 
who gives who sets the universe in motion with these laws but that law also is a, a moral lawgiver and you're saying about how when you worked in a nuclear power industry you saw that as an expression of your faith as far as uh, how that could be used to help people so do you want to say a little bit yes uh, obviously a core message that Jesus gave us is that we ought to be concerned about our neighbour and support the poor and the downtrodden and find ways of alleviating their lot and that's always been important to me but I've also liked to think it's going slightly beyond that not only tackling the problem that there are poor people by helping poor people directly and I can understand why perhaps in Jesus time you know he was in a colonial situation you know the Romans were tramping fairly hard on on the Jews that perhaps they didn't have much option but to just focus on trying to alleviate this directly the suffering of the poor um, I think we're in a better position now in that we can not only attempt to alleviate the suffering of the poor I think it's important we should be looking at why people are poor and tackling the reasons which are leading to the poverty not just dealing with the symptoms of the problem but dealing with the problem itself and uh, I s saw you know, nuclear power as one aspect of that there was all this concern about fossil fuels creating pollution and even then back in the late 60s early 70s it was very apparent that the people who were really suffering was not us in the west but the poorer people in the world you know that they were feeling the effects mm. of our uh, profligate behavior uh, and so to me to try to develop things like nuclear power could tackle the directly the problem of pollution and also people were very concerned about how much there was available in the way of fossil fuel resources for the future mm. and it was clear that the poorer nations of the world they wanted electricity too mm. and if everybody around the world was going to have the kind of electricity availability that we had in the West, then we were going to be using up the fossil fuel reserves at some ridiculous rate and creating vastly more pollution. And so it was desperately important in order to tackle the cause of people's poverty that they didn't have access to the kind of services we take for granted, electricity, water, all those things, which... Mm. You know we just don't have to think about um it was i could to me that seemed nuclear power seemed to be a key factor in trying to improve the situation and hence tackle some of the problems which led to the poverty that's around us so basically what you're saying really is that in um <clears throat> in your life in a sense of working in the nuclear power industry that's as much an expression of your faith as what you do on Sunday so there's not this sort of hard separation between uh, going to church 
on a Sunday and what you do on a Monday, the two are intrinsically linked then. They are indeed. And uh, I, th I think I would have to say that in many ways, um, the way I try to live out my faith in my normal life is, um, I, I, perhaps I couldn't say it's more important than the, the, the Sunday aspects because I think the Sunday aspects are crucial mm. but nevertheless the other the rest of my life you know it's all it's always there with me you know yeah why you know I'm thinking about the prop this problem yeah okay a little sort of prayer or a thought about it you know why am I giving some money to the local wildlife trust it's there all the time and whenever I'm doing anything of that sort I'm thinking I'm doing it for God's creation yeah because what you said earlier as well when we were chatting is to do with how uh, God has given us this universe mm. of infinite wonder and has given us the responsibility to care for it as stewards for his creation so it's it's down to us really in, in the everyday choices that we make to always have that as our our focus really isn't it oh it's absolutely yeah. crucial um you know i'm one of the reasons i'm worried about the environment is i've got grandkids and you know i'm really concerned about what kind of world they're going to grow up into you know what's what's it going to be like in 30 40 years time when i'm gone um you know is the world going to be a tolerable place to live i mean in some ways i'm quite sanguine um life will continue but whether we as a as a particular species will continue is a totally different manner i think we've got it within our power to destroy ourselves life will continue um as it's done several times in the past when there have been major extinctions and life has bounced back mm. but we're potentially creating our own major extinction and we could carry ourselves down in it and well, that's the one of the one of the uh, on good friday we have the reproaches where you you say um this kind of litur liturgy where you, you, you say different phrases as it were or one of them is Lord you have given us the world and we have created the means to destroy it and, and as a scientist that's always kind of hit me well, going, exactly literally, that's literally true <laughs> yes is that the more powerful we become the more responsibility we have well, like Spider-Man you know with great power comes great responsibility but we we do now through uh, ecological devastation and through things like uh, you know nuclear weapons and so on we do have the ability you know I grew up in the in the 80s when um, you know it, it was largely probable that we I wasn't going to become an adult yes because because of the cold ball it was going to turn hot <laughs> somebody was going to press a button yeah and i remember when i was in school back in the 80s um we were told then uh that the oil was running out and we only had 20 years left 
you know, uh, James Bond's um, Man with the Golden Gun is all about that from 1973, isn't it? So yes. We've, we've known, but I suppose that brings us back to this idea of um, science studying the natural laws which reveal the law-like picture of God, in a sense. But if we don't follow the, the moral laws of God, then death and destruction will abound, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, we... That is an absolutely key point that just understanding more and more about the way the universe works is not sufficient in itself. We need to think how we're going to use our understanding. You know, the big new thing is genetic engineering and all the issues around that. And, you know, well, we did uh, in work once. Um, there's a film Gattaca, which is all about that, and uh, it was on Channel Four one night. And uh, I remember when I was in work, um, it was on a Sunday night, and a pile of us watched it because we hadn't seen it before. And um, we came into work on a Monday morning, looking at each other, going, yeah, "Are we really making the world a better place? We should take responsibility." And that really quite frightened us, yeah, because you know all these different discoveries that we have in a sense are neutral exactly. but it's down to to us in following that moral law to to bring it a be- bring it around in a in a better place really yeah and because as our power to influence things increases the imperative to have a proper moral understanding of the results of our action becomes ever more important we can't just say well I'm a scientist I just work out the way things tick and it's not my responsibility as to how that understanding is used we can't duck being responsible we've got to play a part in trying to influence the way mankind uses this ever increasing understanding of the way the world ticks and this wonderful world that God's given us I always think I'm a bit like a like the irritating toddler is always asking why why you know when when you know why dad does this oh it's because of that but why is that then yeah I think that and I suppose this is the the great disappointment I have at the moment uh, and I've always had really uh, since my early 20s with the kind of um, with the kind of secular movement with the uh, the atheist movement because i've said well why is it good and evil why 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 do we exist why are we here and the answer i've had has been well you can't ask that question because it's not a, a scientific question and the only questions you should ask are ones which can be falsified through the scientific method and i've gone so you're telling me i can't think precisely that's what i find that uh, you know, I've read several of Dawkins' books. Oh, you know, it does sway in church, mate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, in you can see they have a kind of logic, but they're ultimately not not convincing. They just they just don't provide answers. They they just duck the point. I think they just go down this line of well everything just happens because it just happens and 
Um, it doesn't answer the question as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't doesn't fundamentally answer answer the questions. Well, why? Why? But why? Why? It tells you to stop asking the question. It, yeah, it says you can't ask. As you say, it tells us you can't ask that question. Well, no, I'm sorry. I don't, that's not right. Um, you can't. Perhaps you can't answer the question within the bounds of the scientific method. But the scientific method is not everything. No. It is. It is part of the universe. Scientific method is very powerful enables us if we use it correctly to make things a lot better for humankind but it's not everything and there are things beyond the scientific method and god is well he's beyond anything yes yeah, but but he's certainly beyond scientific methods so i think I I don't I don't buy it when people say you can't ask questions which you can't answer within the bounds of the scientific method. Well, that's the same as um, people saying you can't ask questions that aren't answered in the Bible. Exactly, it's the same thing. Yes, it's it's, it's a narrowing of, of acceptable thought. Yes, which I always find quite worrying, and and also as well, I think a lot of it's to do going back to the kind of moral law thing is you know if we live in a world or universe of pitiless indifference where nothing really matters so what that really means is i can do whatever i want because mm. i'm a powerful person and there is no justice there is no good and evil and powerful people tend to believe that until you punch them in the face yes and then you punch them in the face and you say why have you done that then mm. that's not fair don't punch me and you say well you answer for the scientific method why i shouldn't kick you in the head then mm. and they the answer is there is no answer to why through the scientific method you shouldn't do that but because they're not from the south wales valleys where people do get kicked in the head yeah. um they they're not they they're not aware of it they don't they they live in a a, a very closeted sort of nice world well we it's not no so i think that's but i think it's it's interesting what you're saying and thanks for talking to us today um chris about uh, about your faith before we finish um would you like to say something about your spiritual practice then about go, you go to church and so on and things like that then you know do, do you do anything else other than uh, going to church on a sunday i've i'm sometimes members of study groups mm. um i'm a member of umpteen <laughs> committees yeah. to do with the church uh, and uh, I'm actually I like to th think about things and I'm always trying to explore and actually one thing I find very inspiring is potentially anyway depends who's giving them as sermons oh it, no pressure then. no no pressure no. so <laughs> Do a good one next time you come to St Michael's. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll have a go. Uh, um, but it's what really triggers me is when someone says something that, wow, I hadn't thought of it quite like that, yeah. brings two things together, you know, two biblical things or a biblical thing and, a, an apparent, and apparently secular thing and puts them together in a way that I hadn't thought of that 
really, you know, really makes me think, yeah, that's another, that's another little step for me, another little move, little move, move forward. forward. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, I find we can have a problem within the church that we become very inward looking. Mm. We, we go to study groups and Bible study groups, prayer groups, and it all becomes very inward looking mm. rather than, okay, we need to understand the basis of our faith and make it grow, but it should be going that way, outwards, not looking inwards you know i'm comfortable with you how because i know you're another christian and mm. we can chat about things but i need to i need to be pointing the other way and demonstrating my faith to people outside mm. my immediate comfort zone yeah because what you're talking about really and, and maybe what we've been talking about for a few weeks now on the podcast is this idea of secular and sacred is the opposite of Christianity. Is in Christianity everything is sacred. Yes. Because God has made everything and God can be found everywhere and in everything. But we need to come together as a community in order to energize us to go out into the world to serve his world and serve his people and, and bring the gospel alive really. So thanks for talking to us today, Chris. That's been really good and um I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and you can find more online at www.yateparish.co.uk or you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Stitcher and the Apple and Android SoundCloud app. This is a podcast to connect you to the Parish of Yate. If you want anything to feature on the podcast in the future, then please get in touch with us. You can do this by visiting our website. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening and God God bless. bless.